The following message is distributed by the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org. Now, it's been about a month, so I don't know. Bill, do you remember what I talked about? <laughs> I did. I, well, my, my title was Hope in the Hope. Kim remembered. Gold star for Kim. Um, hope in the Hope. And it's just the first few verses of the prayer that Paul is giving in his letter to the church in Kalos, I think is how you pronounced it. And he was telling them that if you hope in the hope, you'll be transformed. The more that you place your hope and your trust in the promises that God has given you, the more you will be like Christ. So today we're going to continue through this prayer, and uh, we're going to talk about having a walk that is worthy. So let's pray, and then we'll dig into the Word a little bit. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you that we have your Word that we can use to understand your will, that we can understand what it means to be a follower of you, Lord. Your word teaches us and admonishes us. Lord, I just pray that right now that as I speak today, that my words and thoughts will be clear, that the people here will be ready to hear what it is that you want to say to them. Lord, help us to live in a manner that is worthy of you. Help us to come giving thanks to you for all that you've done. Just be with us here right now, Lord, in your son's name. Amen. How many of you guys have watched the Olympics so far? first few days. Yes, that's a lot of people. Anybody watch the opening ceremonies? Yeah, that was, that was, that was pretty, that, that, that arena stadium, I guess it's a stadium, is huge and very interesting looking. I thought it was really cool to see the outside and the architecture and then watching the athletes walk in. Um, really, the Olympics don't start until August 12th because that's when wrestling starts. <laughs> so, <laughs> Lane understands. Um, but I, something that was interesting, I was reading, they actually, each country does this, so all the American athletes get together before they are sent into the stadium, and they have a talk about how they're supposed to walk in, what they're allowed to do and shouldn't do, especially when your camera's on you how to behave when you're in the middle waiting for all the other 206 countries or so. Proper behavior. I thought it was pretty interesting. Like, how hard is it to walk half a circle and then stand around? But because they're around all these other countries and because there's TV channels all over the world showing this, they're like, don't embarrass the USA. Please don't embarrass us on the first day. 
okay? So they give them some instructions of how to walk, what to do, things like that. If you're interacting with some of the other countries, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, so today, we're going to look at Paul's prayer a little bit more in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. That's where we're going to start, going to 14. And a lot of his prayer has to do with our walk. So let's take a look and read through these verses. Chapter 1, verse 9. I'm reading the New American Standard. It says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This little section of this prayer is an intercessory prayer. Paul is interceding for this church. Now, if you remember a couple weeks back, Paul has actually never been to this church. And he's already praying and trying to ask that God will work in this church, will help them grow, will help them to live a life that pleases him. This church was planted kind of as an offshoot of the church Paul planted in Ephesus. He wants the believers to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. And he kind of explains that in four ways. But I think before we look at those four things, we need to focus on one little section here in verse 9. Let me read verse 9 again. For this reason, since the day that we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I want you to think of this little point as we go through these other four of what it means to have a walk that's worthy. If you don't know what the Lord's will is, how can you walk in it? He prays without ceasing that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will and wisdom. Filled. Now, if you had a cup and I said, fill this up, you wouldn't fill it that much. You'd fill it to the top. If you were one of my kids, you might try to see if you can make that little bubble over the lip. You're like, that's full, Dad. That's what a full cup is. That's what Paul is praying. He wants them to have that much knowledge of God's will. Because if you do not know what God's will is, how can you be expected 
to do anything that's going to please him. I kind of think of, um, I was a lifeguard for a few years and I had the opportunity to teach some kids how to swim. And the first, I don't even call it a swim stroke, that everybody seems to learn is the doggy paddle. It is probably the worst swim stroke invented. If any of you guys want to do a good workout, jump in a pool, do the doggy paddle the length of an Olympic pool. You'll drown. You use all this energy. You're going like crazy, but you're moving this fast. That's what it is. If you don't know what God's will is, if you have no direction, if you have no idea, you're just going like, like crazy, but you're not getting anywhere. When you have a plan, when you have a purpose, you know where you're going. Just a simple stroke. It's a lot less work. My friend Chuck, who's a Navy SEAL, they, the, the stroke that they depend on the most is the side stroke. He's like, you could swim for hours, because half of it, you're just gliding through the water. Stroke, glide. If you're teaching it, you say, grab the apple, put it in the basket, grab the apple. All right? That's, oh, that's how you teach it. That's how I was taught. That's how I teach it. Okay? But all of a sudden, just a few little things, a little explanation of saying, you you know what, you can actually float if you're moving. You'll glide across the water. If you're going like this, man, you're, you're just using a lot of wasted energy. And that's what he's saying here. I want you to understand the full knowledge of God's will so you know where you need to go. Because if not, you're just flapping your arms, going crazy. So... Why does Paul want him to know that? He kind of points that out in verse 10, where he says, I want you to have all this wisdom so that you will be able to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him, should I say this right, in all respects. In all respects. To walk means to do, to perform. So Paul points this out, I think, what a walk that's worthy in four steps. Okay, it's better if I do four at this hand. Four steps. So if you're taking notes, step number one. Are you ready for this? I'm not sure if I am. Having a worthy walk means that the believer is bearing fruit. He says that. Walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. We kind of talked about this a little bit a few weeks back when I was starting in in this book. Bearing fruit does not just mean increasing God's kingdom. When he says bear fruit in all aspects, he doesn't mean convert people to Christianity, increase the size of the heavenly kingdom. It means everything. Bearing more fruit. Increasing. Increasing in love. Love more. Give more love. Forgive more. Show more grace. More patience. More. 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 That's bearing fruit in every aspect. Bearing, the word that's actually used there, 
the fact that it's ing implies that this isn't a one-time thing it's not like you're a christian i i showed love this one day i'm done with love let's work on grace now all right let me show grace over here great done all right i'm bearing fruit okay if you had a tree in your yard and you got a single apple from it you wouldn't be like that is an awesome tree and then you got to wait a whole other year for one more apple bearing fruit it's constant it's 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 many then he continues saying not only do i want you to bear fruit in every good work but i want you to increase in the knowledge of god so that's two having a worthy walk means that the believer is increasing in the knowledge of god how many of you when you became a christian knew everything there is to know about God. Is there anybody? How many of you know right now everything there is? It's not, it can't be the end. It can't be the end of all knowledge when you become a Christian. I look forward to being in heaven and having all eternity and still not having enough time to fully understand God. Like, wrap... I don't even know how to explain it. Try to wrap your mind around that. I'm not a nuclear physicist, but I'm pretty sure by the time eternity comes, I'll have that figured out. But God, I will not. I can't understand all there is to know about the man the being that created everything. And just like when it talks about bearing fruit, it's saying increasing, increasing. It's a constant thing. It doesn't end. You're going to continue to grow in your understanding. All right, let me, let me spend a minute on the understanding because understanding, sometimes people think of understanding a little bit different than how Scripture takes it. Understanding here isn't reading it and saying, okay, I understand how a car works. It's experience. It's experiential knowledge. Knowledge that comes only from doing, being in, taking part of. Let me give you an example here. I had an aunt who was part owner of a skydiving school. So when I graduated from high school, my graduation gift from her was to go skydiving which was totally awesome. Now, I I understand it, all right? You get a parachute, you get a plane, you jump out, you pull the cord, hopefully you land. Great, I know how to do this, right? Completely different than actually doing it. It's different wearing a pack on you and feeling that weight, having your sweaty hands as you're kind of nervous, getting in this little tiny airplane It wasn't like in TV and movies where there's like 20 people in an airplane and they're all sitting on these benches. It was like they were jamming us into this little plane. And then the best part was they didn't just open a door and say, go for it. I actually had to stand out on this little step. So I put my step and I'm holding on to the support of the wing. And he's like, now hang one foot off. So I'm standing there like this. And he's like, when I say go, jump. I'm like, all right. So I jump. That adrenaline, you can't experience unless you're falling. 
I don't know why they call it a jump. It's not a jump, it's a fall. Right? It was, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was awesome to see this, just everything. And way back here somewhere was this little X that I was supposed to try to land on. That is an experience that unless you've gone skydiving before, you won't understand it. You will not understand it. That's the kind of knowledge that Paul is praying for these people to have. A knowledge because you've done it. You've put your trust in God and you've seen that he's come through. You've been able to love the unlovable. You've been able to do things that don't make sense to the rest of the world because they don't have this knowledge of God. He also wanted, Paul also wanted the uh, Colossians to have this um, knowledge because he knows that the more you understand something, the easier it is for you to come back to it. It becomes automatic. I, I joked around uh, that wrestling starts on August 12th. I've been a wrestler my entire life. And um, automatic, one of my uh, students tried to tackle me one time. Just automatically I took his arm and threw him. He wasn't ready for it, and I wasn't, wasn't like thinking when he comes at me. Right? It's just automatic. That's what I know. And that's what God wants us to have with him. Automatic. You're facing struggle, automatically go to God because I know he's going to help me through these times. Excuse me. The church there, the Colossian church, was facing a heresy, was already starting to grow in this young church. And that is another reason why Paul wants them to have knowledge. The heresy it's a weird term. It's called syncretism. Don't ask me how to pronounce it. I might be pronouncing it wrong. But basically, it is a belief that you're taking bits and pieces from other beliefs and putting it into your main set. Right? So the church there, obviously, they have their Christian beliefs, but they were taking in other beliefs. The beginning of Gnosticism was starting to grow there. Mysticism Angel worship, Paul talks about that a little bit later in the book. Some people still were trying to hold to some of the Greek or Jewish traditions. It doesn't sound too far from what we have today in the church. You know, we have a solid belief of Christians, but you know, I like this little bit of this. So I'm going to add that to my Christian faith. And I like a little bit of this. And I'm going to add that to this. That's going on today. It happens more commonly because people have no knowledge of what God is, what he wants for you. Never be satisfied with your current knowledge of God. Never be satisfied with your current knowledge. That's so hard to do because there's times I don't want to open my Bible I've had a lousy day or something, just like, God, you won't understand. I'll talk to you tomorrow. It's, it's hard. In every epistle that Paul has an intercessory prayer in, knowledge is one of the most important parts of that prayer. Because if you don't have knowledge of God, everything else he's going to say in the rest of this book is worthless. 
all his teaching, his admonishing, all these things isn't going to make any difference to you if you have no knowledge of who God is. So never be satisfied with your current knowledge of God. <clears throat> Let's look at verse uh, 11 because he, he continues on with something else that walking in a manner worthy of God. Having a worthy walk means that a believer, in verse 11 he says, is strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. What Paul is saying here is basically nothing less than the full power of God being indwelled in you. Having a worthy walk means that the full power of God is indwelling in you. Do you guys live like that? It's, it's amazing to think of that. Hey, God created everything. God can basically do whatever he wants to do. God can move mountains. God can spread seas so that people walk on dry land. God can send fire from heaven. God can raise people from the dead. God can be everywhere. God knows everything. All that power is supposed to be in me. Do I live like that? Am I walking in a manner that shows people that my power isn't my own? The power that he wants, the strength. Paul continues in verse 11. I'm going to kind of repeat this last little section of that, that part. Is for the attaining of steadfastness and patience. So this power isn't just strength. It's emotional. It's mental. Spiritual. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul prays for strength to persevere and endure suffering. One of the fruits of the Spirit, long-suffering. So the thing he's saying here isn't just the fact you'll be able to tough it out when someone's physically hurting you. But you'll be able to tough it out when people beat you down mentally, when people pull at your emotions, when people use you. You'll be able to have the strength to overcome all of these things, not because of your own power, not because you've been working out, but because God is working in you so that you may have the strength to overcome these things. Long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. It can't be produced on your own resource. How are you guys doing when you face persecution? How are you doing when suffering comes? When sickness hits your family? When finances are tight? How are you doing? Where is your strength? The fourth
thing of having a worthy walk means that the believer gives thanks to the Father. So having a worthy walk means a believer is giving thanks to the Father. That's in verse 12. It says, give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Paul models this, giving thanks to the Father, just a few verses earlier. When he starts the prayer in verse 3, that's the very beginning of the prayer, the first thing he says is, I give thanks to the Father. Why? For the works that the Colossians are doing. For how they're showing. He doesn't say, I thank you, Colossians, because you're showing love. He says, I thank God because God is making you able to show love. How often do we really do this? How often do we thank God? I was thinking about it. A lot of times I'll, you know, share my dreams. God, I'd really like to do this, or I think it'd be really cool if you can have this happen for me. You know, I'll share my, my requests. But how often do you really thank God? How often do you say thanks? And not just out of obligation. Like, I really need a close parking spot because I really don't want to walk. It's really hot today. And then you get the spot and you're just like, thanks, God, see ya. And you go into the mall and buy what you need to buy. You know, or you spend days praying for a family member, whatever it might be, sickness, spiritual struggles, whatever. An amazing thing happened. You're just like, thanks, God. I knew you'd pull through this time. And then you just kind of move on with life. Is that thanking God? Thanks shouldn't be just out of obligation. You know, I, I was a brat when I was a kid. I, I didn't have the best manners. And I'd get something, and my mom would be like, you need to go say thank you. And I'd just go, I'd be like, thank you very much for my present. I'll enjoy playing with it. And then turn around and went and played with it. That's not thanks. I, I, I guess it was two Christmases ago. My family went down to my parents in South Carolina, and um, my daughter, Elise, she was hilarious, um, we're opening presents, and someone would be like, oh, Elise, this present's for you. And she just went up and thanked everybody. She didn't even open it. She didn't know what it was. Oh, thanks, Nan, this is the best, blah, 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 you know. Oh, thanks, Poppy, thanks, Aunt Anna, thanks. Hugging, kissing, all over them. I'm like, you don't even know what it is. It could be a pair of socks. And you're saying thanks for this. I'm like, give me a break. That's thanks. She didn't care what it was. It came from somebody. That's thanks. Do I thank God only when he does what I want him to do? When I pray, God, can you do this? And he answers no. Do I say thanks, God? Knows the answer. Awesome. No, I don't do that. I'll pray again. Maybe you didn't hear me, God. (laughs) This is what I meant. 
No, but I got, that's, that's not, Paul's saying that if you have a walk that is worthy of God, you're going to thank him when he gives you amazing things. You're going to thank him when he doesn't give you an answer. You're going to thank him when he says, you know what, you've had this long enough and I'm taking it back. That's walking in a manner that's worthy. That's saying, God, I thank you because you love me. So whatever you do, I'm okay with. I'm fine with that. That's giving thanks. Paul kind of gives a couple of reasons why to give thanks. Just, I think, three of them. I'm going to look at them. He starts, actually, in verse 12, that, that verse there. He says, Give thanks to the Father who qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because this was basically the center of my sermon a couple weeks back. Give thanks for the inheritance. What is that inheritance? Forgiveness, eternal life, being able to hang out with him forever and ever and ever, having strength. It's that hope that we cling to. It's the hope that transforms us. Give thanks to God that you're not the same person you were when you accepted him into your life. Then verse 13, he says, oh, another reason you should thank God is because he rescued you from the dominion of darkness. He transferred us from the kingdom to the kingdom of his beloved son. You can never save yourself. Is that a reason maybe to say thanks to God? You can't do it. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, 6, you might want to just jot that down and take a look at it. But Paul, Paul writes, you were formerly darkness. He doesn't say you were formerly in darkness. You were darkness. But now you're light. Walk as children of the light. There's no way that you would be able to move yourself from the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of light. It's just, you can't do it. There's, not a, there, there's no possibility. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how much money you give to the church. I don't care if you're here every day. It doesn't matter. There is nothing that you could do yourself to get from this kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It's God picking you up and bringing you over here. And like in that verse in uh, Ephesians 5, 6, walk in the way, walk, in, walk as children of the light. He's saying, stop. You're in the kingdom of light now. Stop walking and behaving like you're from this place. You're not a citizen here anymore. Stop acting like that. Stop trying to have influence and possessions in this kingdom because you don't live there anymore. You're part of this kingdom now. Verse 14, another reason to give thanks is, I love when Bibles tend to put verses at weird spots, but verse 14 says, in whom, whom would be the son, from verse 13, we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. 
Redemption is all bound up in the Son. Redemption, you can't have redemption without Jesus Christ. It's just, it's not possible. You could try to throw somebody else in there, and there's plenty of people who try. You know what? I don't like Christ too much. Let me try throwing somebody else in there. Maybe, I don't know, some other God, some great philosopher. I don't know, maybe myself. I'll stick myself in there instead of Christ. You can't have redemption. Without Christ, there's no salvation. All of us are sinners. And if you're a sinner and have sin and aren't cleansed of that sin, God can't be with you because God can't be in the presence of sin. So if you take Christ out, you don't have atonement of your sins. You don't have the ability to have a saving relationship with Christ. So you should thank God every day. Not just like, thanks for saving me, and move on. I mean, thank God every day for the Son, because through the Son you have redemption. Through the Son you have the forgiveness of sins. All right, listen to me here. If if you're a believer, listen to me. Paul's saying you've already been qualified. Not because of stuff you've done. It's all because of God. God has already qualified you. He's already delivered you. He's already taken you from the kingdom of darkness and brought you over into his son's kingdom. He's already delivered you. He's already forgiven you. He's delivered you not only from this kingdom, but from your own sins, from your own things. For those of you who call on his name, all these things are done. Complete. Fully complete. So don't think, you know what, I know that God, you saved me and you've forgiven me, but I still need to do these things myself. You've already, you've already transferred me from this kingdom. That's great, God, but I still have to do these things. I need to do these things. I can't really fully trust that it's done and complete. I can't do it. It doesn't make sense to me. You're telling me that when, when I do something bad, you're still forgiving me? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem to work with my mom and dad. I do something bad, I've been spanked or disciplined or... I don't, I don't get that. Having a worthy walk means that you're bearing fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened in all power, and giving thanks to the Father. God has already proven himself worthy, deserving of a walk that honors him. God's proven himself. Paul's saying, look, God's already shown that he's going to take care of you. God's already shown that he's going to give you strength when there's no way possible to describe where it's coming from. When you're beaten down, God's already shown he's going to be there for you. God's going to show you and has already shown you that if you live a life that honors him, you'll produce fruit. 
you'll grow in ways that you didn't think possible. He deserves a walk. Now, even when I'm trying my best to do these four things, I fall short. There are times I'm not bearing fruit. There's times I rely more on my strength than God's strength. There's times I forget about the whole transfer kingdom thing, and I'm thinking it's more important to store up my treasures here than it is there. There's times where I don't come to the God and say, I'm really, 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 really sorry. Please forgive me. But just because I fall short in those things does not mean that I shouldn't try to keep doing them. I'm that kind of person. If you don't succeed at first, you're doing it wrong. So just give up. I'm, I'm that kind of person. That's, I'm, I'm, I don't like being that kind of person, but that's who I am. Are you seeking the Lord's will? Are you seeking to bear fruit? Are you seeking to increase your knowledge? Are you seeking to be full of strength? Are you seeking to... thank the Father. If your desire is not to do those things, let me be completely blunt and honest with you. If you do not desire those things, you are not a Christian. I'm not saying that to be just shock. I'm not saying that to be, you know, joking. All these things. Great passage in Ezekiel 36. I think it's verse 26 and 27. It says that God... He's going to give you a heart, a new heart, and he's going to give you the spirit. And the best part is, the spirit is going to move you to follow what God has taught, to follow his commandments. If you're not moved to be doing these things, to walk in a way that is worthy, guess what's not in you? The spirit. If the spirit isn't in you, you're not a Christian. Again, you could come to church every day. You can have all the right answers. That's great. You understand Scripture. Awesome. But you do not know God. Not at least in the way that the Bible talks about it. Not in the way of jumping off the airplane and saying, now I know God. If you don't have that kind of relationship with the Lord, if you want to understand what this great inheritance that we've been qualified for, if you want to be able to understand this hope that if you trust in, it doesn't make sense that if I hope in hope, if I hope in these promises, I'm able to love more, I'm able to forgive, I'm able to show grace, If you want to experience that, you got to put your trust in God. You have to stop trying to do it on your own. You have to say, God, I want to experience you. Not say, I understand you and I'll keep you over here. And maybe I'll check in every now and then. Like, what do we think I should do? Okay, great. Close the door. Let's walk over here and do what I need to do and wait until the next time I have an issue. That's not knowing God. Stop trying to work your way to heaven. Stop trying to please God. Stop trying to impress him. I did that a lot growing up. Like, hey, God, look what I did. And then I'm thinking about it later on. God's like, great. Wow. 
You were good for a day. Awesome. Hey, did you know that I created everything? You know? Or, hey, I forgive my friend when he was being a jerk to me. Doesn't that show how grace? Doesn't that show forgiveness? And he's like, yeah, you know what? That's really great, Kirk. Good job. Hey, do you remember that even before you asked for forgiveness, I gave it to you? Do you remember that I was willing to send my son to die for you before you were even born? Uh, No, I, I forgot about that, God. Stop trying to impress him. He's not impressed. Your works aren't going to be anything impressive to him. Live in a manner that is pleasing to him, not because it's, look at me, God, look what I can do, but because that manner is showing people God can do this. Not Kurt, not you. It's not, look at me, because I, I can forgive people when they're jerks to me. It's, Look at me, because God's forgiven me, and I want to show you what God has in store for you. I'm going to kind of wrap this all up in some sort of manner. Bear with me on this. God has a purpose for every one of you. talked about this a couple weeks ago with uh, my students in the youth ministry. It cracks me up when kids or adults come up and say, I don't know what my purpose here is on earth. Especially when those people are Christians. And it's just like to have you crack the Bible anytime recently. Are you waiting for an audible voice? God's already said, I want you to do these things. You all have a purpose. You cannot fulfill that purpose if you do not know what it is. You can't say, God, I want to do what you want me to do, but do not tell me how to do it. My way's better. That's what Paul's saying here. I want you to know God's will, and then I want you to walk in a manner that is accomplishing that will. Not in a manner that accomplishes your own thing, and if you're lucky, maybe you do something that God wants you to do. That's not, that's not how it works. Because you're not working for God if you're doing it your way. You're working for yourself. Last little bit here, Ephesians 4.1. Ephesians and Colossians, those books go together in so many ways. Well, they're both written by Paul, but they're just... Back and forth, there's so much parallels to each of those. But in Ephesians 4.1, Paul writes, Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He just summed it all up. You got a calling? Live a life that's worthy. What are you doing with your calling? Are you walking in a manner that is worthy of the Lord? If you have a pen, write those two down. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your calling? I'm sorry. And then the other one is, are you walking in a manner that's worthy of the Lord? Think about those questions this week. 
without a doubt there's a purpose for you and God has a will and a plan for you, what are you doing with it? You're trying to do it by yourself? You ignoring that it even exists? And then now that you know that you have that, what are you doing? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. We invite you to visit our website at www.slcevfree.org or call us directly at area code 801-943-0091. Our mailing address is... Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City, 6515 South Lion Lane, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84121.